So basically we thought let's get some smart people together and talk about this thing called embedded journalism. And we just wanted to start with each of you giving an anecdote about what the process has meant for you, something uh, that you've experienced. Sebastian, you want to go? Sure. Um, I, you know, I grew up post-Vietnam uh, in, in and around Cambridge. And I, I, you know, I have to admit, as a journalist, I was always very skeptical of the US military. And I didn't, I just assumed I would never really want to be covering a story from that angle. And then 9-11 happened. And by 2005, what started out as a quite an easy victory in Afghanistan, um, it was sort of let languish. And uh, by 05, it was a real war in Afghanistan. And I decided I would want to be embedded. And I was with a battle company of the 173rd in Zabul province. And I got dropped in by a, on a resupply helicopter, Black Hawk, Black Hawk that was resupplying a um, platoon in the field. They'd been out for days and days and had you know, gotten a little messed up. And I was on the resupply. And within half an hour, we'd been hit by an attack. And um, suddenly, I'm under fire with American kids. Like, I never, I never thought that could ever happen. And I had a quite, pretty open mind, if not somewhat skeptical. What really impressed me was two nights later, we left at uh, dusk. And we walked <coughs> 10 kilometers over a 10,000-foot <coughs> mountain pass. It was you know, maybe five degrees out. It was very, very cold at night. And the guys were carrying, it was all, all men, and they were carrying so much gear that they were in t-shirts and sweating like, like pack horses. And you know, they were carrying 120, 130, 140 pounds. They were carrying a mortar, a mortar tube. And they struggled with this gear all night long. We walked from dusk until dawn in single digit temperatures. And I just thought, you know, I just thought there's not one kid I went to college with who would do this. I mean, even for his own country, much less another country. Um, and, I was just in, and I was just amazed by how dedicated they were to, them, to each other and to the cause. And after that, I was like, I got to find out more about this. This is amazing. You know, I know we just uh, ta talking earlier that, that Sebastian and I are exactly the same age. We're both 51, grew up in the same time of the Vietnam when you spoke about how, uh, I just thought about this that you say we had so much skepticism about the military. I think what we have learned and, and what was the reality is that we do not have skepticism about those that are out on the floor, out on, out on the ground. We're really talking about those sitting there in the Pentagon. And what could be better than to spend the time on the, on the ground with the soldiers in a war to know what is the real truth as opposed to the ones that we just don't embed in the sense that back in the US, but reporting around the same country is a different thing, but uh, to be with them and see these, these guys that are fighting, you get way more accurate, and that's what I've learned over the time. Uh, I know the big change for us in terms of embedding is one, I remember I came out of Kandahar shortly after 9-11 at Christmas time of 2001, and I came back and I just realized that it was getting too dangerous around Afghanistan because there's now kidnapping and killing of journalists and others. And I think that's when I finally made that turn and realized that I think I'm going to have to embed more often uh, to really see much of the war. Rita? Um, 
Yeah, I don't think I was the first freelance journalist to embed in Iraq, but I was probably the first to embed myself into the military. Um, I think one of the reasons I'm here is that my journey into Iraq and into an embed is a little unusual. I first entered Iraq from Turkey. I wanted to cover the story up in Kurdistan. I had already an interest in that, that subject. And I planned on crossing over with uh, the 4th Inf Infantry Division. Now Turkey, of course, never allowed that to happen. Week after week, they would bring the question up in Parliament. Week after week, waiting in this little dusty border town <coughs> in southern Turkey. Myself and a dwindling number of journalists were hoping that we would get in that way. Well, it never happened. All Most of the journalists left, particularly those who were working uh, as staffers, because they were either sent other routes or they were sent back home to cover other stories back to London, wherever. Uh, as a freelancer, I didn't have any obligations going to go back home. I really wanted to cover this story. I'd come a long way on my own money. And uh, I found out that smugglers would take me through the mountains for $1,200, which was a very low price because only four weeks earlier, it was like 15,000 15, a head. So, you know, smuggling prices plummeted. I, you know, this like shady guy approached us at a taxi stop and said we could get across for 1200 bucks. So myself and a colleague uh, went on what was to be a six hour uh, walk, turned into three days and three nights through, you know, treacherous mountain, mountain terrain. And uh, when I hear Sebastian talking about how these soldiers do this on, you know, a regular basis, three days in a way was, uh, was not so much, but, uh, it was a grueling, grueling trip. Uh, by the time I got into Iraq, now I'd already been held off in Turkey for weeks watching the war go by on TV. I mean, I'd spent year, I felt I'd spent a lot of my life leading up to this war like these guys. I grew up reading about the Vietnam War and knowing about it as, you know, the, what my, my four uh, uh, predecessors in journal, journalism has cover, had covered. Um, I, I arrive and we're, we're in this a little motel on the Iraqi side of the border and we watched the fall of Tikrit on TV. And it's like, oh my God, all of that and the war is over. Um, of course, for me, it was just starting. Uh, I made my way down to Baghdad. Um, eventually, I met a group of cavalry soldiers from the 3-7 Cavalry at a checkpoint. They had led the incursion up from Kuwait and were in Baghdad waiting to be sent home. I got to know them as, as friends before I embedded with them. Um, odd turn of events, the SARS virus happened. There were incidences of SARS in Toronto. And I was told by colleagues that with my, my Canadian passport, I wouldn't be allowed back into Jordan or Kuwait. I had come illegally from Turkey, couldn't go that way because I would have been put in prison. So I was kind of stuck in Iraq with dwindling funds told these cavalry soldiers, who by now I'd known for about three weeks, my, my sad tale. And one of them said, why don't we just ask the captain if you can come and live with us? <laughs> and and that, was, that was the start of it. And I, I spent all together about three months with them. And, and then in the, they didn't get sent home. They got sent to the Sunni Triangle to cover the unexpected guerrilla war up there. And I went with them, so. Like a lost puppy. <laughs> 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 Colonel Cobb. I think uh, we all remember back in Desert Storm, Desert Shield, uh, a periodical came out and it outlined the entire war plan. It had the map and arrows. I don't know. Most people saw that. 
And as a second lieutenant, fresh out of training, still smelling like the factory that created me, I, uh, you know, we got word that the war plan had been compromised. So it was out there for everyone to see. Um, and this was talked about in the level of trust and, and commitment uh, between journalists and, and soldiers, and how was that? And if you recall, there were no journalists embedded at that time. Now fast forward to Kuwait 2003, then uh, Major Kaufman. And if you could, you picture a huge tent, I mean, bigger than this room, um, musty with a map board from Kuwait all the way uh, to the entire country of Iraq with circles and arrows and string and, and the entire war plan laid out. And the decision was made, and I was in the, in the room when these decisions were being talked about and finally made, that we were going to bring all of the journalists that were going to go with us and read them into the entire plan weeks prior to the invasion. And the, and the reason this is done is Number one, they're going to be right beside us, and they deserve to know. And two, it was a, an extension of trust that says, we are going to let you in and let you see everything that, that we're getting ready to do, uh, and we trust that you're not going to compromise the mission. And so really, my anecdote is, in my generation, in my lifetime, I've seen it switch from skepticism on both sides to trust and commitment uh, in the Iraq war and the Afghanistan war. And I, I think what really we've created is an environment where the true history of what we have accomplished will come out clearer than it ever has before.